I feel like as I've gotten older, those things I realize are actually just boundaries a lot of the time mm-hmm. that I didn't have that word 10 years ago because I wasn't in therapy. But now I realize like some things like I'm not responsible for someone else's reaction to it. Like I can just do like what the best I can and be kind and stuff. But, you know, a boundary is a boundary. Welcome to Neurons to Nirvana, a platform for creative forces that embrace the unconventional and the quest for artistry, humanity, innovation, health, and healing of the mind and soul. Join me, Tom Hartridge, on a journey celebrating experiences unbound by physical borders or traditional norms. From inside the mind to the far reaches of the universe, this is Neurons to Nirvana. I've covered various topics and featured many wonderfully diverse guests on Neurons to Nirvana. As many of you know, one of my favorite passions is music and seeing a vast array of musicians perform live. One of the main reasons I moved to Austin nearly seven years ago was because I love seeing musicians perform live on stage and in venues around the city as much as possible. Anyone who knows me, particularly those who know me well, can attest that one of my passions is discovering new artists and sharing their fresh sound with anyone who will give me the time of day. I have been lucky enough to become increasingly entrenched in the local Austin music scene, even if gradually, and meet many great artists who make Austin so tremendous and why the city has always been an oasis for creativity in the heart of Texas. So I'm excited to share my great conversation with this week's guest, singer-songwriter from Austin, Texas, Allie Holder. We exchange our take on the importance of vulnerability and our love for West Texas. Also, we discuss our fears about the impact of Austin's exponential growth and how that may affect the city's robust and vibrant music community. Allie is highly talented and over the years earned comparisons to Patty Griffin and Lucinda Williams. She has toured extensively throughout the U.S. and Europe. Allie has also performed at festivals such as South by Southwest, the Newport Folk Festival, and the renowned Bluebird Cafe in Nashville. Let's jump in, as it is my pleasure to introduce you to Allie Holder. Allie Holder, it's so great to have you. Uh, I'm super excited to meet with you. I wanted to share your music and your story with my audience. You are a singer-songwriter based out of here. Mm -hmm. You're originally from Wichita Falls. Mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong about anything, of course. And then also... um, You've toured extensively throughout the U.S. Your uh, debut album came out in 2010, and that was called... I think it was 2013. 2013? Yeah, in preparation for Saturn's return. Yes, and that was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, And then uh, your most recent album is Uncomfortable Truths. Mm -hmm. So tell me what brought you... You originally, as I stated, from Wichita Falls, what brought you to Austin? Oh, playing music. I went to college in DFW, and I um, liked it about as much as I liked North Texas. So <laughs> I always knew I wanted to live here. Um, it's kind of like the only place in Texas that is, you know, I don't know, blue. <laughs> yes. A lot of people say it's the blue dot in this great red state. Yeah. Uh, but that's what makes it so great is because it's progress- progressive. Yeah. And- an incubator for creativity. Yeah. Uh, I wanted you to have you on because I love, as I stated before we started, I almost gave up on Austin during COVID. <laughs> I was going to move back maybe to Georgia. But uh, I've been blessed from my producer of the show, Kaylee Marks from Podcast Farm. He has introduced me to people such as... Uh, the promoters and co-founders of Utopia Fest. Oh, nice. Travis Sutherland yeah. and Wayne Dawshaw. And I've met one of my really good friends is Colt Wayne Keeney. And, of course, uh, I met before this and before uh, I started my podcast, Clue. But um, listening to some of your music, you know, you've been compared to Patty Griffin, Lucinda Williams, mm. I would say. You've got some pop. Oh, really? Uh, That's good to know. 
But uh, now this is all my opinion and ear. But yeah. that being said, how would you describe your style of songwriting and playing? Yeah, I don't know. Um, kind of just depends on the album or the <laughs> the song. Right. But Uncomfortable Truths was, I made, I wanted to make like a concept album in terms of talking about our uncomfortable truths. So we feel less alone when we see them in other people um, or when we listen to music or, you know, whatever kind of art that makes us resonate. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just depends. Some I tend to go to like writing retreats throughout the year. And that's where I kind of get the bulk of my songwriting done. I do one out in West Texas every summer or every fall. And then at the beginning of the year, I usually do one um, around here. So, Where in West Texas? Um, out. It's like at Chinati Hot Springs. Okay. You know where that is? I do. I've, I've never City been of, there. Yeah. yeah. I lived in Marfa for a summer, so I, I love that whole that's area. That's my magical place. Yeah, uh, me too. I went there actually right before I launched this podcast mm -hmm. to be inspired and it worked yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's such a it's such an unreal it's a magical place it is i've been going there since i was probably 18 to that area and then i was in grad school and i did my thesis out there so it was it was cool to live out there and take a bunch of you know oral interviews and it was cool so you studied our education at ut right mm -hmm. here in town uh yeah. and then when did you decide I want to play music. Well, I kind of came here to play music. Um, and then I worked as an art teacher for a while, playing music the whole time. Um, but I, I worked in public school for one year, and I was like, nope. <laughs> <Can't>, <laughs> here in town? Uh, yeah. Okay. I like, can't do that. Um, so I worked at Laguna Gloria at their art school for about 10 years, which was wonderful. Um, but, I mean, I've been playing music the whole time. And then I would say a couple years before the pandemic, most of my job was just playing music. And yeah, now like that I'm not having, obviously everyone had to pivot during the the uh, pandemic. But um, now that I'm not having to rely on just music for income, my life has gotten exponentially better and I enjoy playing and writing more, which has been really cool. I'm not playing any less. I'm just not depending on it which is good. It can be choosy. Yeah, it can. For somebody, for instance, for me, the podcast, if you're in financial uncertainty and you're trying to create content or in your case, music, yeah. it can hinder it if yeah. you don't have another way of supplementing your income. Yeah. And I didn't realize until the pandemic, like I think I slept the first six months because yeah. I was just exhausted <laughs> and I didn't know it. You know, from traveling or even here, just playing shows, and so it was. It was good to um, kind of understand how my central nervous system and my brain and body what it actually needed, and it was a lot less travel and a lot more rest. Yeah, um, you had mentioned uncomfortable truths. Tell me, uh, some of that was written during COVID, correct? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it was. Um, actually, that's a complete lie. It wasn't. It came out. <laughs> I was trying to think. I thought I read that somewhere. It came out in April 2020. Okay. So it um, came out right at the worst possible time you could ever put an album out, right when the pandemic hit. Um, so I had to cancel all my touring and, you know, it was it was a, an odd time for sure. Um, but all of those were kind of written previously to that. Um. Couple songs that you've written resonated with me. Uh, before we started recording, I told you I lost my mother, and mm. uh, COVID, of course, was tough for everybody. Yeah. But the only thing really resonated. Oh. And in fact, I'll share it, uh, brought me to tears. I was yeah. hoping, uh, that being said, maybe you'd mind sharing yeah. who, who that song's about. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you for telling me that. Yeah. Being that vulnerable. 
Uh, sorry about your mom. Thank you. I love vulnerability. It's like my love language. So <laughs> it, it's my language, and sometimes to a fault. You know, transparency can Same. get you in trouble if you if you tell too much. Yeah. Information TMI, as they say. Yeah, <laughs> I've learned that not everyone wants to share things, and that's fine. Or hear all your or yes. malaise and troubles and exactly. trials and tribulations. Yeah, you know, I've been playing that song for so long. I just. Sometimes I make up stories about what it's about. I have done so many things out of anger. And I have done so many things out of spite. This is not one of them. This is not one of them. This is one of the only go back to the very beginning oh you know actually (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i it was um i was uh dating this one dude and then started dating his brother oh yeah wow dating's a loose word but you know there was some there was some words shared and exchange yeah sure and that's how i wrote that song that's so funny. Well, do you mind sharing some of the lyrics? Because I'll tell you why it resonated with me. Yeah. Did you have any specific? Um, well, your music, for me, it's uh, it's brought, it resonates for me so much because of loss. Yeah. I can relate to that. And then hope. Yeah. But also you mentioned in that song, Anger. Yeah. I think it's like when I wrote, I mean, I wrote that probably, gosh, I was 23, Mm -hmm. 24, and I'm 36 now. Um, A lot of it was kind of just usually when I introduce a song, I'm like, this is about doing what you want. (laughs) Yeah. Because I think being raised a woman and being raised in this, well, I can't say the South because you're from Savannah, but being raised (laughs) in Texas, which is not the the South. The South is, uh, Texas is (laughs) pseudo-Southern. I know some, some Southerners, you know. I don't, I'm not that strict with it, but. That's good to know. I think that, I, you know, women are raised to be people pleasers and demure and. Prim and proper. Yeah. And just like make sure everyone else but you is comfortable, you know? And so I think that was like a turning point for me of like, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> like, this is my life. It really doesn't matter. I'm obviously not going to be rude to anyone, but it's my choice. And I think like, I think the words are. I've done so many things out of anger. I've done so many things out of pride. And I've done so many things that are selfish and so many things out of spite. I can't remember what order yep. it's in without no, singing that's it. Right. But Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't know. Those are all just real feelings and real raw emotions that we all feel. And I think in the last 10 years, like talking about shame and talking about anger and talking about all those things is a lot more mainstream whereas back then it definitely was not I don't know it just I think it was about growing up and figuring out how to to be in the world yeah I it resonated for me because I've also I wear my emotions on my sleeve and sometimes I can passionately say things that may offend others but also I've done things uh Rather impulsively. Yeah, same. To make myself feel better or uh, in the situation, but ultimately ends up hurting people in the end. Yeah. And uh, that goes for my parents who are no longer with me, my family members, friends, past loves. I mean, you're human. Yeah. So it really uh, hit me to the core. Um, What about another one, California? Yeah, I was going to say one more thing about, (laughs) um, I feel like as I've gotten older, those things I realize are actually just boundaries a lot of the time Mm -hmm. that I didn't have that word 10 years ago because I wasn't in therapy, but 
now I realize like some things like I'm not responsible for someone else's reaction to it. Like I can just do like what the best I can and be kind and stuff. But, you know, a boundary is a boundary (laughs) and it's not our job to caretake other people's emotions, which I'm really good at. (laughs) Yeah. Um, California's about a dude. Another dude. Different dude. Yeah. So how much of songs do you, how many songs do you think is written about past loves or current loves? What, 80 something percent? (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Definitely. I just like changed all his name basically to, um, the word California and tried to compare the state. And I was on like, um, when I turned 30, I did like a month long solo tour up the West Coast. And so I spent a lot of time in California. And yeah, it, it's about, you know, angst. And I don't know, un- unrequited is the right word, but okay, I was married. I, I'm just now coming out of a marriage that I was in for six years. And so there was a lot of good, um, a lot of good tension for me to write songs like that about a relationship that wasn't actually happening because I was in a different one. Pushing on a bruise to feel how alive I've been. Pushing on a bruise. Oh, California. Like you lovers stacked upon the shore. Oh, California, I love you. Heard it all before. Inside of me, a vastness was born. And then Double drinking, that was another one that... Oh, drinking double. (laughs) Drinking double that caught my ear. Uh, Yeah. Um, Yeah. Drinking double. Oh, man, I promise I have more depth and substance to me. (laughs) (laughs) You do, clearly. But that was... Drinking double is also a really old song. Um, I can, like, picture writing it. side um and i was dating a guy and hooked up with another guy (laughs) and what's funny is like several i'm trying on podcasts to just like be myself because my parents well my parents listen to these and i'm like oh sometimes i give too much away um but they already know about this stuff right (laughs) denial is a is a great friend i I grew up in the church so a lot of that um yeah, and what's funny, the funniest story about that is that this random person that I, you know, cheated on my boyfriend with, <laughs> I was playing a gig several years later, hadn't thought about this guy, don't remember his name, this was many years ago, and he was the door guy at the bar, and the whole time I'm like, who is this guy? I feel like I know this guy. And then there was like a moment of recognition between both of us, and I was like, oh, no. I'm just going to keep walking. Whoops. <laughs> Austin's great in that way. It will remind you of your mistakes. It can, yeah. Uh, Savannah's like that, was like that for me, too. Very, yeah. It can be suffocating, but. Yeah. 
Also, Austin has grown so much. Yeah, and Austin is really, like, I tell everyone who wants to move here, I'm like, Austin wants you to be here. I feel like most people I know when they move here, something great happens, or they get that place they need, or, like, the city is here, too. There's creative energy here that wants to wants to create and wants people to be here. And if you have that within you, in any uh, form of creativity, it's sort of you're drawn to that. Yeah. I mean, I don't play uh, any musical instruments or it's been years. I played drums briefly growing up, but uh, music has always been my medicine. Yeah. And it's always been my escape. And certainly during COVID and yeah. then grief and loss of yeah. loved ones uh, and past loves and so forth. But uh, what? speaking of Austin, what do you think, for me, back to your point, the reason why I was drawn here, I got into UT, and my dad, of course, said, if you're going to a state school, you're going to the University of Georgia. Now, Athens is similar in spirit and creative yeah. uh, juices and flow. Like, obviously, a number of great bands have come from there as of here, but uh, the great thing for me with Austin is you can just come here and be you. Yeah. Nobody asks really what you do for a living. Yeah. <laughs> you know, either they like you or they don't. Yeah. You can wear whatever you want. That's right. I remember when I first moved here and like the first couple times I came back home for the holidays and stuff, I was like, I can't wear anything I wear in Austin here. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be thrown in jail. Um, I... The guy who did um, radio PR on my last album, Shil Patel from mm -hmm. Tiger Bomb, they're from mm -hmm. Athens. He, yeah. mo he moved yeah. here recently, but I love Shil. He's sweet. And then there's, so I recorded my first two albums in Oxford, Mississippi at Tweed. Okay. And he's, um, Andrew Ratcliffe, who owned Tweed, has since moved to Athens because he's from there and or somewhere around there. And he's opened a music school, which is- Here? No, in Athens. Oh, in Athens. Yeah, okay. which apparently is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Athens is, I feel like, so Austin is like Athens on steroids yeah. with, a, with a much larger job market yeah, and uh, a tech sector and now Elon Musk and everybody else under the sun. Joe Rogan. <laughs> I was going to avoid saying him <laughs> at all costs. Someone the other day was like, how does it feel that people, you know, equate your town to Joe Rogan and Elon Musk? And I was like, how dare you say that? Uh, I don't get that that often. Every now and then, it's, you know, a friend will bring it up. But uh, fortunately, I was, like yourself, well entrenched before they got here. Yes. Yes. And I, I mean, I've only lived here. It'll be 13 years in February. And I've seen it change so drastically. I can't imagine the people who have been here for decades. Yeah. I, it'll be, I'm coming up on my seventh. It'll be seven years in a couple months. But, uh you know, the saying is, if you've been here for five years, you never leave. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I told myself, like, I'm going to give myself 10 years in Austin. And then, like, <laughs> I just kept staying. It's actually, like, one of the reasons my husband and I are splitting up is because he doesn't want to live in Texas long term, which I get. Like, the weather sucks. The politics suck. But, like, <laughs> you know, the school systems are terrible. Thinking about having kids, but my... Not all of them. There's good well, schools around. Yeah, like Ian's ISD is good. <laughs> yes. Um, but my folks are here, so I'm not – they moved here, and I'm not going to leave because I'm an only child, and, you know, they're really close to me. And I think unless you're from here or from somewhere that has that, like, instinctual pride, whether it's good or not, you know, it's hard to understand wanting to stay. I mean, where do you see Austin in the next few years? I mean, at the beginning of this year, I was trying to have kids with my husband, okay. and now I am almost a divorcee. So I've learned from that, like, I don't know anything, and I'm okay with, like, just being along for the ride. So I don't know what Austin is going to do. Yeah, I just have, because of people like Joe Rogan. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I will I'm say. I'm concerned. That yeah, like from a musician standpoint, like every single, once my musician friends started having kids, they had to move south, like way south to be able to afford to live. And most of my. Like Buda. Yeah, or just way deep south Austin. Right. And which is now not even affordable. And then a lot of my friends now who don't have kids, they all moved to Lockhart. And so, I mean, people. 
people on the margins are just getting pushed out. I mean, gentrification is everywhere now. Yes. Um, and, and you are like, great to love, really. Yeah. And like, I, I'm a part of that problem. Like, I came into, you know, part of the, like, I lived in on the east side for most mm-hmm. of my time here. And I don't know. It's interesting. I don't Austin is, um, I think Austin, too, is big enough that you can kind of hang out in your own niche and bubble and not have to deal with, like, I'm not going to go to the F1 thing, (laughs) you know, like, I'm never going to run into those people. Or like, I live, like, north of campus. So like, sure, I'll run into college students sometimes. But I think you can choose here, which is nice because somewhere that's a small town, you you don't have that luxury. Hey, it's Tom Hartridge again, and I wanted to cut in to thank you for tuning in to Neurons to Nirvana. We are so grateful for your support and for joining us on this journey of exploring the intersection of consciousness and creativity. I'm also thankful for your support in tuning in each week. Producing a high-quality podcast takes time, effort, and resources. From booking knowledgeable and engaging guests to editing and distributing each episode, There are many costs associated with bringing you the best content possible. That's where you come in. By donating to the Neurons to Nirvana Buy Me a Coffee page, you can help us continue growing our audience, booking great guests, and covering production costs. Every little bit helps, and we truly appreciate your support. Not only will your donation help us improve the podcast, but it will also give us the resources to continue regularly bringing you thought-provoking and informative content. If you enjoy the show and want to see it thrive, we encourage you to visit the Neurons to Nirvana Buy Me a Coffee page listed in the show notes below and consider donating. Your support means the world to us, and we can't thank you enough for your generosity. Thank you for listening and for your support of Neurons to Nirvana. You can make Austin what you want, and yeah. in a way. Yeah. If, yeah. I feel very privileged saying that, but yeah. But uh, yeah, it is just like everywhere uh, that's great to live it's becoming more and more expensive what uh what about the musicians and the the music community do you think they'll be able that's one of my big concerns is they're not going to be able to stay yeah i mean like dale watson moved to memphis a couple years ago i think that was a big like like you know scary moment for all of Austin. <laughs> yeah, because uh, one of my first trips visiting here before I decided to move, I saw him at the Continental Club. Yeah. I mean, he was a staple. Oh, yeah. I used to go to Jenny's all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I love two-stepping. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just depends, you know. It just depends if they have other side hustles. It just depends how hungry they still are to... My idea of success has drastically changed. I've gotten older. Um, In what way? Uh, I just, success is defined differently for me. I think when I was younger, I was like, I'm going to make it, you know? (laughs) Like, the music industry is not really structured that way anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, At least not on Austin musician level, you know? So, I don't know. I think it depends on the musician. I think it is funny going to, like, the White Horse, for instance. When I first started going there, Uh it was just like, hang you know and now it's like bachelor parties and it's a tourist yeah more of a tourist I, I love the white horse you know i do too i think it's that's why i love sagebrush so much because it's the same owners um yeah what was the question <laughs> oh do you think austin musicians are gonna be able to stick around yeah yeah i think that they'll live on the edges of town like most of us already do and me too. The other thing I want to talk to you about, because I have not publicly talked about this on my podcast, but I actually love astrology. Oh, cool. I love the stars. Yeah. That's why I love Marfa yeah. and Big Ben. And uh, so I secretly, I don't tell very, at least most of my <laughs> guy friends that I'll read yeah. my astrology. I don't either. <laughs> but, uh, so you've done like your birth chart and stuff? I have. And then... Uh, but you do some of that, I read, correct? I do tarot. Tarot, right. I know a little bit. I'm a astrology novice for sure. Okay. Um, but I do tarot, which there's a lot of corresponding aspects to tarot and to astrology, which is cool. Um, speaking of West Texas in October when I was out at Chimney Hot Springs, um, like the Arroyo is completely dry. Yes. And so for two nights, uh, me and a bunch of other of our, my friends out there, we walked out like deep into the Arroyo and just played songs, and the sky was, 
I mean, so mystical, stupid, pretty. <laughs> it's unreal. It blows you away. Like yeah. it never gets old for me. Yeah, and one ever. of the guys there knows astrology really well, and he's like pointing everything out, which is cool. <laughs> so you know your sun sign and rising sign and moon sign. I don't. Uh, not off the top of my head. I'm a little scatterbrained, <laughs> <laughs> but I can. I'm a Sagittarius. That was born December 11th, 79. So I just had my 43rd birthday. I'm going to send you a website or yeah. you can just send me the time of your birthday. 9.52 p.m. 9.52 I'm a night owl. <laughs> I know. It was 11.21 p.m. But um, uh, how did you get into tarot reading? I, I mean, I've always kind of liked mystical, witchy things since I was a kid. Um, I definitely think that's something you're born with. It's funny now seeing like what they call festival witches. A lot of <laughs> women that who are like, which is awesome that like things like the occult are becoming mainstream. Um, <laughs> I think that's super cool. Um, but when I was on tour in like 2012, I picked up a deck at um, this cute little shop in Nashville called mm -hmm. Pangea. They've since closed. But um, ever since then, I've just kind of kept studying and kept studying and and then took like there's a woman named Lindsay Mack she's got a great podcast called Tara for the Wild Soul and she you know I took like one of her courses and I use it as there I use it as very like mirror based therapy based like how do I show you things that your brain hasn't quite put together mm -hmm. yet um some people use it in a predatory way that I don't like really well and just like a I'm I'm not a psychic I'm not a medium sure. <laughs> I just like have some intuition, and I know the cards. Um, so, yeah, I would love to give you a reading sometime. I'd love that. Uh, you just mentioned Bruja, witches. You said something yeah. about that. What's that song about? <laughs> well, <laughs> um, not about a dude. I know, because <laughs> I, I actually have a pretty working knowledge of Espanol. Oh, yeah. Well, so that same place I was talking about, Shawnee Hot Springs, um, up on there, Cold Springs, you can see, because they're on the border of Presidio, so you can yep. see into OJ. I don't know how to say the exact word. Ohinaga. Ohinaga. I've been past there. In fact, I took, during COVID, yeah. wild story, I brought Rex. He's my ride or die, my dog, crossed oh. the border, and we went all throughout that area. Oh, that's so cool. I've been in there only twice, and one, okay, so this is where this comes in. So, a long time ago... I don't know if it was when I was visiting Marfa or the few months I was in living in Marfa, but I saw an exhibition and it was like 300 plaster hearts hanging from the ceiling. And it was to represent like 300 women who had gone missing via the cartel. Um, it was really, really, really powerful. And um, it just kind of stuck with me. It was pretty haunting. And then I was kind of obsessed with like the Laloba myth at the time, the wolf woman who like gathers the bones of wolves and puts them together and sings and chants and brings her own wolf woman to life. Um, it's like women being born upon the bones of the women who came before them. And I wanted her to like avenge these women. So she kind of like raises their skeletons from the ground in the desert oh, wow. to like march on all the men that killed them. It's pretty light stuff. <laughs> Not light, pretty dark, but actually that's good because, uh, you know, Rightfully so. It sounds like they got their revenge. Yeah, they did in the song for sure. <laughs> I definitely, um, I had a few people when I released that song as a single, um, you know, because I'm a white girl, they were like, it's not appropriate for you to do that, which in retrospect, I'm like, oh, I understand that now. I'm, sure. In my mind, I was writing it as a character, you know, because every every story has a character and that was like, I was just pulling from such a rich cultural heritage, you know. But so I sometimes I'm like, I don't know how I should feel about that song. Well, how much backlash did you receive? for? The just a few. Okay, just, that's just a good. Few. So it wasn't like a... No, it was just, it was some people who like press pitches, you know, right. who were like, we don't feel comfortable, which I get. And it was a, a very um, white privilege moment for me too, to be like, oh, wow. So what about some of the other songs on Uncontrollable Truths? Uncomfortable Truths. Uncomfortable. Sorry. <laughs> Screw that They're up. kind of the same. Um, let's see. <laughs> yeah, uncontrollable, uncomfortable, yes. I'm trying to think of the track listing. Take Me As I Am is kind of about my marriage. It was pretty, 
pretty brutal at the beginning. We went through a lot. So that's what Bad Wife was about, too. Um, I, I think we both had a hard time adjusting to marriage. Um, mm-hmm. It's very amicable, our split. So I feel like I can talk about that. Um, uh, let's see. We already talked about Hall, California. There's like four little vignettes all about privilege. So like, um, and using your privilege to help other people. I think the first one was about, you know, racism, domestic violence. The second one was about the medical industrial <laughs> complex and, yes. and, you know, mental illness, invisible illness that's physical. And then um, there's one about poverty and the one about sexual assault and women's rights. And then Singing Over Bones is that Laloba character again. It's like that whole song is about her and, um, yeah, just standing up for yourself. And then Reborn was all about having chronic pain and just kind of, it's, what is your, what is this? It's called Neuron? Neurons to Nirvana. Neurons to Nirvana. Mm-hmm. I really liked the name because I've done a lot of work with um, like the mind-body connection for chronic pain. Do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. Like TMS. Mm-hmm. That stuff changed my life. I have not done that, but I've tried everything. So several episodes I talk about plant medicine, yeah, ayahuasca, psilocybin. Yeah. Uh, I've had my own struggles with depression and anxiety. And yeah. so some of these, many, almost all these topics that you just mentioned themes of your songs. Um, of course, they're very important, and I'm all about the underdog. And I'm not trying to ram anything down people's throats, but I want them yeah. to have different options to yeah. consider because it's not just a pill that we can take from yeah. a pharmaceutical company. Yeah, because I'm I'm that whole thing skewed. I'm very excited about what's happening in the psychedelic. Renaissance. Yeah. I just did MDMA therapy in August and I'm really? doing psil- psilocybin. I'll tell you after. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I got so excited. My visceral response to that was I tried to apply to a couple. Of course, I didn't get in. Yeah. So um, I'll, we can talk about it after uh, yes, it's yes. over. I'm pretty sure it's still illegal. So <laughs> actually, I know it's still illegal in Texas. I'm doing psilocybin therapy in January, but the mind body connection stuff is basically. Like our chronic pain, our lizard brain is like mm-hmm. trying to protect us from our emotions and our feelings. So instead of feeling them, like we end up with a sore neck or we have chronic pain, chronic back pain, chronic, I have like um, chronic neuropathy pain. And it's really just learning how to like um, bypass the pain fear cycle. And it's also like, it's also a lot of journaling and like, People pleasing, perfectionism, all these things that just take our central nervous system and Two just of my worst qualities. Yeah. <laughs> and it yeah, well, it causes all these things that, you know, and and I'm all all for medication. Like if I weren't for Wellbutrin and Prozac, I would not be a functioning human. <laughs> I've been taking Wellbutrin on and off for yeah. fifteen years. Oh yeah. It's been my crutch. Yeah. But I don't see it as a crutch. But but yeah. as, but you know what I'm what I mean to say is it's my go to like Yeah. It's my, if something's not working, I yeah. always can go back to Wellbutrin. Yeah, that's what my neurologist said to me. She was like, you know, if you don't get enough vitamin D, you take vitamin D supplements. Mm-hmm. She was like, your brain cannot make these chemicals on their own. And like, why wouldn't you help them make those chemicals? And that was like, oh, cool. <laughs> Do you get sad Seasonal. Uh, I definitely have dealt with depression and anxiety my whole life. Right. And I didn't know what it was. And I was a, I drank a lot for a lot, very long time. And once I stopped drinking at 28, I really had to face um, a right. lot of that. Sorry, I was using the acronym seasonal effect, like the during the winter because there's yeah. a lack of sunlight. I more so get it during the summer. Really? Because... I feel so oppressed. <laughs> I can't leave. <laughs> like, it's like, I don't like cold weather. I don't like being cold. I can't stand it. And yesterday and today, I'm like. Brutal. It's brutal, but it's also like enlivening, you know? Yeah. I've been doing uh, the Wim Hof breathing oh, technique. Oh, God. No, thank you. And uh, I've been jumping in, the, not this week, of course, yeah. but last week, the week prior, 38, 42 degrees. And uh, I tried to get Vicky to get in with me. She said, absolutely not. <laughs> no, I mean, that's my nightmare. <laughs> but, 
But it really does rewire your brain. It does. And it gives you a sense of an urge and a uh, just it picks me up. It's like a natural high. Yeah. And going back to like the neuroplasticity or whatever, like it's so cool that our brains can change. We can, if we really want to, we can change like the neural pathways. And I think that's what's also cool about plant medicine yes. is it can really give you that edge or advantage without even trying. Yeah. For me, I'm still doing talk therapy. But oh, yeah, after, me my, too. after my dad passed away, uh, he was my best friend. He died of mm-hmm. cancer. And right. uh, there's only so much you at least I'll speak on my behalf. There's only so much I could accomplish in one hour blocks. Yeah. And I'd read about ayahuasca and I just said, I need a like jumpstart or something. I need to. Yeah. And so it, it, it actually, the first time I did it, uh, or I should say the third ceremony, my intention was to see my father. Mm-hmm. And Mother Aya, she said, for nanosecond, he showed up. I've said this like five, six times on my <laughs> episode. So forgive me if. It, Anybody's listening and tired of hearing the story, but uh, it truly is. It's it gives you this is saying goes, it doesn't always give you what you want, but it gives you what you need. Yeah. And the message was forget about your dad, he's fine. Yeah. Go be with your mother. Yeah. And it wasn't but four or five months later that I found out that Mm. she was sick. Oh, man. But it gave me the strength to, to be with her. Yeah. And it was amazing, and I wouldn't change it for the world. It gives me goosebumps. (laughs) I haven't done ayahuasca, but I have a lot of friends who have journeyed quite a bit, and it just seems I'm concerned because I I know a lot of places are really strict, and, like, I'm not going to get off my medication. Correct. I had to get off of Wellbutrin for three weeks. Yeah. Otherwise, you can have a seizure and other health implications. I'm not even going to mess with that. It's not for everybody. I have my— my mind, my brain chemicals are at a perfect level, and I would like to keep them that way. <laughs> and that's good. And that's yeah. that's what I want to tell my listeners in the audience uh, when I discuss stuff like this. I just want to provide options. For yeah, people. I'm very interested in ayahuasca, but maybe one day when if I'm not medicated, it has to. You have to have be calling you, and uh, you've already. Found other ways that we yeah. can talk about all there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It's interesting because I mean, obviously, I'd done them before recreationally, mm-hmm. which is a different, different thing when you're not going into something with an intention. But just like, uh, see, especially with MDMA, because it just breaks. I guess it it turns the volume down on your amygdala, so you're less like your walls are less up. I know I sound smart. Inhibitions. Yeah. Yeah. So it allows you, it made me think when you were talking about your dad earlier, how you couldn't in one block sessions. Like I think too, sometimes like we just can't process stuff. Like there's a certain point that our bodies and brains will let us go to. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, that's kind of, we get stuck there and it's not because we're not trying, but I think it's like a safety protection type mechanism. And I think plant medicine does help break that down yeah it totally breaks down the barriers and for me personally it's psilocybin more so it's enhanced creativity Mm -hmm. and it it helps me get out of my head and it's very much like a i'm like naturally an optimist which i'm grateful for but it's very much like a oh i'm one with the universe (laughs) you know there is that's the beauty of it for me and particularly ayahuasca uh there's a Inter, you've, once you've done a ceremony, you realize the interconnectedness in the world. Yeah. And that may sound cheesy to some people, no. but it's true. It's so true. It's um, speaking of songs and uh, the interconnectedness of the world. I played a show one time. I think it was in Nashville. And uh, this woman came up to me. It was the song Gemini Gunslinger, which is on a previous album. And she was like, it reminded me of when I died. And I was like, what? (laughs) Tell me more. And I guess she fell off a balcony, like a seventh floor balcony in Greece or something. And she was clinically dead until she was resuscitated. And she said when she died, um, she just like became energy in this other huge field of energy. And I was like, oh, that's so amazing to hear because growing up, I was taught you're going to heaven or you're going to hell. 
and like they're same of course yeah. I was raised Presbyterian yeah Episcopalian yeah, but like a, a sect of it that was Anglican yeah so it was very much and I kind of Blame is not the right word, but the perfectionism and the black and white thinking. I mean, that was my first introduction, and it's so fearful, and it's it's just a really hard way to live. It's an awful way to live. Yeah. And that's how I was raised when I would go to church and fire and brimstone. Like, yeah. You know, that kind of—I uh, mean, I got excommunicated, <laughs> per se, when I was in seventh grade for when the minister said, do you believe that the Bible is the infallible— Word of God, and I said, "Well, actually, I think the Old Testament didactic purposes." And yeah, but my mom, who was she was gangster and always had my back. She actually took me to that was independent Presbyterian. She took me to First Presbyterian. Was a good mom. She was. She was the best. My dad is is still a deacon and very active in the church. So I, you know, I really try to. I think for I went through the process of grief with leaving the church of like. The anger, the rejection, the bargaining, all of that stuff. And so I'm trying to realize that, like, it is equally as important to him as it is equally not what I need. I just played a show in North Texas recently and um, not my hometown, but close to my hometown. And, you know, they're, my friends moved to a very small town and they're trying to make a community there. They are not. You know, they're like we are. Mm-hmm. And um, my friend was saying, I have to realize that, like, you know, I would, you know, if we were in an argument or something, I would, like, stand up for a Muslim person, whereas I wouldn't stand up for a Christian because that's my own baggage. And she was talking about how she was trying to, like, see them all as equal mm-hmm. in terms of, like, I don't know if this is making sense, but in terms of, Everyone has a valid, everyone has their own choice and validity, and it's cool. And that's something I'm only coming to terms with and now. belief systems, and yeah. I think that that's their right, as long yeah. as they're not Hurting harming anyone. anyone. Yeah. And that's where, if you think about it, religion has been the cause of most wars, at least back from the Crusades and so yeah. forth. Think I just of, rolled my eyes so hard. It hurt. It's okay. I, I mean, think of how many things have been started because of that. But yeah. Maybe we'll change. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I am grateful for it. Like, I think about praying a lot growing up. I have a meditation practice that I'm grateful for. Oh, okay. and, and I think that is my, those same channels that I had learning how to pray is what makes it better for me to meditate. You know, it's just a different sort of prayer. I have problems meditating. I can't get my mind to shut off. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, I can be very scatterbrained. Or hyper-focus, so it's hard for me yeah. to channel that. One of these days I'll learn, hopefully. <laughs> the thing the thing that helped me is that you just can't do it wrong. Even if you get distracted, that's part of it. You just go mm-hmm. back to the breath. There's no wrong way to do it. So, yeah. and But Wim Hof has been working. I've only done the cold plunge a few times, but I do like to the do breathing. the t- technique. I really do. I like, uh, there's something about all of that that is so confronting <laughs> to me. The breathing, the cold, it is nice, which probably means I need to do it, but. What drew me to his is his story. So he's from Finland or uh, one of the Northern European countries mm-hmm. and his, he had f- four children and his wife, she committed suicide mm-hmm. and he was in a daze and he just walked out into a stream right after the news and it sort of revived him being like, yeah. I've got to fight for my children. I've yeah. got to make this life best, not only for them, but for myself, make the yeah. most of it. And so uh, I'm pretty gung-ho about it. Yeah, that's <laughs> impressive. I'm gung-ho about a lot of things, but not cold water. <laughs> well, I, I thought about it yesterday, seeing the weather, and I said, no dice. But that guy, he's been swimming under like ice in the Arctic. He's yeah. nuts. In a good way. He's also uh, climbed Mount Everest, like in the shortest shorts. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen his story on YouTube or on the yeah. news. Yeah, I actually found out about him from watching a Goop episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is another example of like hippy-dippy things being like <laughs> accepted in the mainstream, which is so cool. Which is great. And it's easier in Austin. It's easier in a city. True. In general to, you know. Uh, unless you find little pockets like Marfa. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I know you've got a performance tonight, and uh, who are you playing with tonight? I'm playing with Little Mazarn, which is Lindsay Verrill and Jeff Johnson, and then with John Calvin Abney. Yep, who I just saw live with Wild Child for the first time, actually on the night before my birthday, technically, which is Kelsey. She doesn't know me from Adam, but we have the same <laughs> birthday, and I found that out because of that. That's cool. And it was awesome. Yeah, they're great. Uh, have you seen Sir Woman? Yes. So I've seen Kelsey as Sir Woman. Yeah. But that was my first Wild Child show. Yeah. And they're awesome. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Um, yeah, John Calvin's super talented. Like, growing up in North Texas, there's— um. I'm really close to the border of Oklahoma, and yep. there's an—actually, this is Tom Skinner. He was, like, a big Oklahoma songwriter, but there's, like, an unbelievable amount of incredible songwriters and musicians in Oklahoma, and He's John Calvin's just one of right? them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I remember a long, long time ago, I was young, like, college young, and playing at this thing called the Science Project in Tulsa, and John Calvin was playing. I remember— you know, loving his music then. I love his music. He's also got great energy and He's awesome. a real nice guy. And his sense of humor is great. Yeah. I love his sense of He's a really... And he was on tour with Hanson. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, really. he opened for them for like several weeks. My fifth grade heart was oh like, my, oh my That's wild. Gosh. That's awesome. But they're Oklahoma's, you know. Yep. I'd forgotten that. That's wild. Uh, well, you learn something every day. Uh, <laughs> so you're going to be doing that tonight. And then what do you have coming up? Um, I have a show at Geraldine's on the 26th in the evening, and then I don't think—I have a show, so um, at that writing retreat out, Shinati Hot Springs, some of us—I usually don't—like, I've done a lot of co-writing with House of Songs, which is cool. You should check it out. It's here in Austin. Um, but when I go to those retreats, I'm very like, this is for me, <laughs> right, you know? Right. But I ended up co-writing and ended up—it became kind of this community thing, which was cool. So some of those people are coming in town— at the end of January, and we're going to record those songs and then play a show out at Riley's Tavern. Nice. Have you ever been out there? I have not yet. It is a trip. It's like the oldest bar in Texas or whatever. I'm pretty sure you can still smoke there. Like, mm, well, really? It's a fun little well, dive. That's my worst vice, so you shouldn't have told me that. <laughs> Great. I hate cigarette smoke. <laughs> I mean, I, I've, I hate it now. <laughs> yeah. But I still, every now, every blue moon, I'll... Well, come on out. They got a great jukebox, too. And it's like a friend from Montana, a friend from New Mexico, a friend from um, Canada. So that that will be my next um, show that I'm advertising. I'd have to look at my Google calendar. I know I have a lot of shows coming up, but I couldn't tell you what they were. That's all right. We'll— um, Allieholder.com. Yes, and we'll include that in the show notes. Is there anything else before I let you go that you'd like to share? I don't think so. Just thank you. This was so fun. I know. I kind of tend, I I have been trying to say no to more things. <laughs> right. And so when, but when uh, she reached out, I was like, I'll say yes, whatever. I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad you did too, because uh, it's been great. And uh, I want to let you get ready so you can go yeah, perform this evening. You. But uh, thank you so much, Ellie. Yeah, thank you. I really you. appreciate it. Yeah.